Hello. I'm Natalie. And I'm Paul. Welcome to God Hates Fang's True Blood podcast. This week we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 2 of True Blood, Authority Always Wins. Oh yes. Uh, firstly, a bit of, of non-True Blood related news. Uh, we saw Prometheus over the oh, weekend. What a film. <laughs> Go and see Prometheus. Oh my God, see it in 3D. If you can see it in 3D, excellent. If you can't, just see it anyway. Oh, I, I want to see it again already. <laughs> it blew our tiny little minds. I think I'm going to see it again, aren't we? We are, yeah. <laughs> Need some Prometheus. Okay, as, as always, you can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, email, or through our website. So, yeah, if you've got any questions or any ideas for our, our podcast and comments or theories or anything at all, then get in touch. Yes. Okay, so we're going to do the episode recap and have a little chat about it. Yes. Uh, picking up where we left off, uh, Tara's going ape shit. And she bites Suggy. So, so does this mean that she's going to get obsessed with her too, do you think? Like after, after having a little drop of fairy blood? Yeah, is she going to be a fairy blood addict as well? Is, is she going to have some, some good dreams, do you think? Oh, that's the other way around. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. No. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, Pam obviously uh, just doesn't give a fuck and thinks that this whole situation is, is very amusing. Hmm. But um, that's, that's, you know, didn't Pam criticise Bill in... Uh, was it season one for being a bad maker? I can't remember. I'm sure Pam criticised Bill for being mm-hmm. for rejecting Jessica. It might have been season two. Or... Was it season two? Oh, I can't remember. Okay, so it, it, it seems that Tara has become totally feral. Um, she can't even speak or recognise anybody. So this is this is even worse than Bubba in the books. Because at least Bubba was just like... And for the non-book people, Bubba? Uh, vampire, Elvis. Retard. Retard. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is way worse than Bubba. Uh, but thankfully, Alan Ball confirmed on the HBO website that Tara is like this temporarily uh, because her brain is still growing back. Ah, obviously. Obviously. We kind of thought that, I think, when watching the episode. Anyway, Pam tells Tara not to eat Suki or Lafayette and leaves them to deal with their new undead pet. But not before healing Suki with her blood. Ah, so, nah. so, Suki and Pam dreams. That's it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Suki's had so many Eric and Bill dreams, it's time for a, a Suki and, and Pam dream, I do believe. I think I might have one, one Bl- of those myself later. Blonde on blonde. <laughs> okay, so over to our heroes, uh, Bill and Eric, and Eric's hot sister, Nora. Um, they're being led into a nondescript industrial building, which it turns out houses the secret underground supervillain headquarters of the Authority. Uh, there they are introduced to Salome. Uh, Salome, not Salome, Sal- or not Salome, <laughs> but Salome. Uh, obviously we don't spend enough time yeah. in church because we didn't know how you pronounce that. <laughs> uh, Salome looks mad at Nora, and, and do we detect a bit of a lesbian vibe between them, or is that just my imagination? <laughs> I kind of thought there was more going on there than just that she was pissed off at her for, for her rebellion. There's like something yeah, personal. Yeah, there was something personal, you're right. Um, Salome uses a nifty vampire DNA... A fingerprint testing device to gain access to the secret lair. So, so vampires do have identifiable DNA still, then? Or, or fingerprints, maybe? Or something. Or maybe, yeah. I, I, kind of, I don't know, I kind of always thought, I don't know, obviously there's, there's no hard and fast rules about being a vampire, but I always thought if you were a vampire you wouldn't have DNA anymore. I, I think it's a blood thing, and there's only certain vampires that can... Well, we'll get to it later, won't we? What I think there's something yeah. in the blood that's recognised in, yes. in the tester. Yes. Oh, that's a, yeah, I yes. see where you're going with this, yes. 
uh, in the foyer of uh, the supervillain headquarters, uh, as well as there being tons of SWAT team extras, there's a big <laughs> Aramaic text on the wall. Mm. Um, sorry, we don't speak Aramaic, we can't translate that for you. And, and there's also a painting of Blackadder. <laughs> No. There's people thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? The Blackadder, uh, Blackadder's a great show, but no, it's not Blackadder. It's a Roman with a beard, but it looks like Blackadder. <laughs> hey, everyone knows Blackadder, everyone knows Mr. Bean, so everyone knows Mr. Bean and everyone should know Blackadder. Yes, a superior show. Uh, Bill, Eric and Nora are locked up in cages, which we'll, we'll assume are made of silver. Yes. Um, okay, back, back to the werewolf cannibalism craziness. Uh, Marcus's innards are still being chomped on, and Alcide is denying his claim to pack leader. Uh, he wants none of this shit, and he just he takes off. That that Marcus must have tasted quite shit by now. I mean, it probably tasted quite dodgy anyway. <laughs> it's like a couple of days in the ground. <sighs> maybe if you're a wolf, though, maybe your your sense of taste is different if you're in wolf form to if you're in human form, and that guy that's been dead for a few days. I, I like the way the, the werewolf lady with the long hair, the long hair that's too long, um, I like the way she says, you're not eating? And I'll say, um, no. Fuck no! <laughs> no, it's um, uh, Sam and Luna are free to go too, uh, but I'm guessing that this is not the end of the wolf hassle for them. Mm, yes. Um, yeah, and, and, and tell me, why didn't Alcide stick around to carry Sam? Yeah, that was a perfect because opportunity. For Elsie to carry someone to safety, and he he left Sam there when he was injured. Maybe less carrying this season because yeah. that was, a, like I said, a good opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, and by by the way, if you're a dude and uh, you want to get ripped like Joe Manganiello, I, <laughs> I scanned I scanned an article from Men's Health magazine uh, where he talks us mere mortals through his workout regime. And uh, it's intense. It's pretty intense. Or if you're a lady, you can just look at the greased up shirtless pictures. Was was there a kind of um, amount of time that he, he spends doing his Oh, it's insane. It's like it, six like... sessions a week or something in the gym. It's, well, it's ridiculous. Like four hours a day or something. Oh, it's mental. There's no way anyone normal that wasn't in like Hollywood or something would have time to get that intensely ripped. <laughs> but well done. Well done, Joe. Has a Fallujah flashback and he starts sleepwalking. <laughs> We're all going to die. It's coming for us. He tells Arlene ominously. So, so what's coming? What's coming? Oh, I don't know, but the, there's a flashback and it shows a, a soldier pouring petrol and lighting a Zippo. So presumably we're going to get a full-on Hurt Locker flashback later in the season. Yes. That's what the show needs, a bit of Iraq action. Do you think there's going to be more to the Iraq action than normal flashbacks to Iraq and kind of war action? Yeah, there's going to be some Eastern craziness. Yes. Um, Suki and Lafayette try out some vampire catching tactics. Uh, Suki displays her usual level of intelligence by suggesting they lure Tara with true blood. Silly, mm. silly idea. I like the way Lafayette lifted up his collar as, as if that was going to help. <laughs> so, so do you think that Tara is lucid at, at this point or do you think she's just like completely brain fucked? I, <laughs> I, was, I was watching it, I was liking to think that she was lucid but she was just doing this just to fuck with Suki and Lafayette. <laughs> hey, did you... Did you like her crouching tiger pose on the on the sink? Yeah, I think Tara's cooler as a vampire. <laughs> I'm enjoying the vampire Tara. Okay, so we get our first season five visit to Fantasia. And yay, Ginger's there. 
<laughs> Why are you all dirty? I've been in the ground. What's your excuse? <laughs> oh, I love Ginger. So we get our first vampire flashback of the season. And um, really, vampire flashbacks are the, the only ones that matter, aren't they? It's all about the vampire flashbacks. Uh, so this, this one's in San Francisco in 1905. And uh, Pam was a brothel madam. And she's, we see her drinking, eating crab and dishing out some coke. And hey, that, that ring looks uh, like a must-have accessory. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it was weird seeing Pam kind of eating and drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen human Pam before. Uh, but, lo and behold, one of her hookers has died a bloody death. So, any ideas who the, the, the hooker-killing culprit is? I think the show was kind of leading us to believe that it was the guy with the knife, but then wouldn't Pam have recognised him as a punter? Maybe it was, yes. maybe it was Eric? Hmm. Perhaps, I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out next episode. Okay, so, so Pam, she calls Eric and gets his voicemail, of course. Um, so, how many episodes uh, before he forgives her, do you think? I think, I don't know, I think give it a couple of episodes, he'll forgive her, but then he'll say, hey, I've got a sister I never told you about, and then she'll be <laughs> mad and jealous, and then there'll kind of be angst between them because of that instead. So anyway, it turns out that uh, Bill, Eric and Nora's fellow cellmate is a vampire ex-midwife who is being punished for eating babies. Eating babies? A vampire midwife? What? So succulent. <laughs> so was he a midwife before he became a vampire? A vampire midwife. That's, That's the last thing you'd hire as a midwife. <laughs> so is this guy incarcerated here because the magister isn't around to sort this shit out? Because this would normally be... It seemed like... I mean, obviously it's bad that he eats babies, but it seemed like a little too... I don't know. They'd have, if they was punishing every bad vampire in the authorities' headquarters, they'd have loads in there. So maybe it's... Yeah. Maybe, I think they need a new magister. Yes. Um, so a, a German voice comes over the tannoy, asking some probing questions. Uh, Bill Nobly says that Eric and Nora aren't to blame, and that he will take the rap. Do, uh, do you think that he does this to save Suki's ass from Russell? Do you think his thinking is, if Eric's free, at least there's someone out there to protect Suki? Yeah, more, more than because he's gay for Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and why would he sort of put his life on the line to help Nora? Is that, what, because she's a lady or...? Because he maybe wants someone from the authority on their side? Or, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, anyway, the, the German dude doesn't believe them and starts torturing them with UV lights. <laughs> you just fucked us. <laughs> you just fucked us! You just fucked us! <laughs> That was a good idea. I kind of wondered that before if the like, if like some beds and things would affect vampires. And yeah, I think yeah, we that was good confirmation. Have an yes. Uh, so Sam and Luna are getting cozy on the sofa when their momentary happiness is interrupted by Crazy Wolf Nana showing up and looking to see Emma. Um, she's she's just eating the the kid's dad. That's kind of an inappropriate <laughs> time to show up, isn't it? Um, well, basically, Luna tells her to sling her hook. Sam's surprisingly sympathetic, considering mm. what a douchebag her son was, and how Sam was just tortured by the werewolf pack. That they seemed a bit too nice. So um, yeah, Lu Luna don't feel the same, and she freaks out at him for interfering with her parenting skills. Uh, poor Sam. Yeah, is he? Is he never going to be allowed a moment's happiness or what? <laughs> is 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 Sam in the right? Or do you think Luna's in the right? Because when she said, "Oh, I don't want my daughter running with those." Yeah, that's kind of werewolves loser, kind of thought, kind of, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want that for my kid either. But yeah, I, yeah, it's not it's not for Sam to say, is it? It's nah, for, nah. for Luna. 
So, um, so yeah, so not only is Sam um, never never allowed a night's peace, um, neither is Sookie's house allowed to stay clean and tidy uh, when it's not maynads or blood splatters. It's a crazy vampire retard trashing all the furniture. But Lafayette uh, shows some initi initiative by slicing open his arm and Sookie uses some handy silver chains to secure Tara. Hey, that was some big knife and some big... Some big cut he put on his arm, wasn't it? That was a huge cut, and then she bit at him as well, quite viciously. So is is he going to get some vampire blood for that cut in his ah. arm? Do you think? Yeah. At some point. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, it's morning. Yes. It's daylight, and Andy tells Jason, "I had sex." <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time, ass munch. <laughs> uh, Jason tells him that casual relationships are all good, and claims he's happy with him and Jessica's arrangement. Is this true though? No. He looked a bit hesitant no. and he didn't have sex with that girl the other night when he could have. He's just trying to be the, the big man and, and yeah, stay cool. Yeah, he's trying to be old school Jason Stackhouse but really he's in love. So anyway, the, the, the Starsky and Hutch of Bontomp investigate Debbie's abandoned car. Uh oh, Sookie's uh -oh. going to have some difficult questions to answer there. So, so did Debbie leave her car there and, and walk to Sookie's? Or, or did Sookie and Lafayette dump it there? What? Either seems stupid to me, because if Debbie left it there, why would Debbie, if she was like a homicidal maniac, leave her car and then walk a few miles to Sookie's? Yeah, just... Um, but on the other hand, why would Sookie and Lafayette leave it somewhere so obvious where it's going to be found? You'd throw it in the swamp or something. And, and also, why would she leave her V in the car? Yeah! Because uh, Andy finds some V and he almost, well, he almost keeps it, doesn't he? He almost keeps it, yeah. But um, he remains strong and he... He gives it to Stackhouse. Yeah, no V-addiction storylines this season, thank you. <laughs> uh, Sookie goes to a, a, a handy little vampire-killing store named Steakhouse. That was a, that was a cool... <laughs> there's <was a, laughs> some cool shit in there, wasn't there? There was. There was, there was some silver nail polish, um, and there was like silver chains you was, could buy by the meter. There's some fancy-looking steaks. There were some really cool Russell T-shirts and Steve Newlin T-shirts. <laughs> and and, and the, when they're in the shop, Steve Newlin is on the TV... Declaring that Jesus loves vampires. I like the fact that Sookie's so used to crazy shit by now, she's not even surprised to hear that he's a vampire. She's just like, oh, oh, he's a vampire now. All right. So does this mean that, that Steve Newlin is the new Nan Flanagan? Yes. Yeah. And do you think, I, I've been thinking, do you think it was Nan that turned him? Because that would be perfect. That would be perfect. Because they hate, because they had all these sparring interviews together. It would, it would be great if she was his maker. That, that's a, yeah, that's a good fault. I if, like that. If not her, then probably someone else in the authority. Mm. I suspect. This, this it's got to be someone we know, hasn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, so the proprietor of this handy store uh, recommends a silver mister for Sookie's porch. Um, but Sookie reads his mind and hears that he's thinking of asking her on the next vampire hunt. Oh, so this guy belongs to like a vampire hate group and they go out lynching vampires. I think we'll, do you think we'll be seeing more of this? I reckon so. And in book five, there's um, shifter shootings. Uh, but I kind of think, is this going to be changed to vampire shootings or vampire killings for the show, perhaps? Mm. Or just all supernatural creatures being killed by vigilantes? Yeah, big, yeah why not? Uh, so Sookie informs the redneck that staking is a federal offence. So even though the vampire's rights amendment didn't go through, and vampires are technically dead already, it's still illegal to stake one. Yes. Yes. That's kind of surprising. Yes. Because <laughs> they've not really shown any repercussions of anyone staking a vampire yet, in a legal sense. No. Uh, anyway, Terry's working in Malotte's when he sets a pan on fire, and this, of course, triggers another Fallujah fire flashback. Um, and then he freaks out and he pushes Arlene. 
Uh, Terry's post-traumatic stress syndrome has seemed okay for a while. Um, it, it seems like it's only since Patrick's shown up that it's kind of gotten bad, isn't it? Is this because is this because Patrick's awoken some bad memories in Terry, or is it because Patrick's got some supernatural force of his own? He's got some bad that's juju. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking with Terry's I head. Think there's some there's some bad juju with this guy. Yeah. Uh, Suki fixes her new anti-vampire device to her porch uh, when she hears that Lafayette's thinking of staking Tara to put her out of her misery. Uh, Suki begs him not to, telling him that Jessica took a long time to be normal. Yeah, but Jessica hasn't, or hadn't, had her brains blown out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't see it taking longer for Tara to be normal. Jessica was normal pretty quickly, like when they went to Dallas and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's She... Settled in quite quickly in the Yeah, in the she took it, lifestyle. but then she liked it, didn't she? It was a good thing for her at first, because she's like, yes, I'm a vampire, I don't have my crazy religious parents. She had a really kind of dry <laughs> upbringing, so it was yeah, really so exciting for her. Yeah, and she wasn't a vampire hater like Tara was. And also, why is it that, that Tara doesn't wake up during this scene, Yeah, because the vampires can still be awake during the daytime, and they're, they're standing right there talking. I thought she would have awoke. Maybe her brain is still healing. I think that, yes. I think you are right. Okay, so over at Bonton Police Headquarters, uh, Jason sees Steve Newlin on the TV. Uh, Steve's declaring that he's not affiliated with a fellowship and he just wants peaceful, peaceful coexistence between vampires and humans. Wow, he changed his tune really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> or has he been turned for a while now and it's kind of, he's been brainwashed into this, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he declares that there's someone, someone special in his life and she makes him very happy. <laughs> Jason looked quite relieved when... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he could have said, Jason Stackhouse is my love. So, so basically, he's, he's willing to declare himself pro-vampire, but not pro-guy. Pro yeah, so there's still a little bit of the old Steve Newley in there. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells Kevin uh, to quash the judge's son's speeding ticket. Uh, it's nice to see Kevin again, wasn't it? Yeah, nice to see Kevin. His voice is the exact opposite of Andy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did you notice that he still had all the scars from his season three panther attack? Yes. Was yes. that season three? Season three. Oh god, the Panther stuff. It seems like a million years ago. Well, last season wasn't it? Was it season Panther stuff? Uh, oh Jesus! No, there was Panther stuff oh, last yes. season, but it um, was yeah. That was when Jason was kidnapped and raped. This was the season before when he met Crystal. I do believe. Okay, so a random kid shows up and he punches Jason in the face for shagging his mum. Uh, in our in our spoiler section last week, yep. we noted that there were casting calls for. Jason to be punched in the face by two different guys. So he was also going to get punched in the face by a road crew member. But apparently they thought that one sucker punch was enough for Jason in this episode. <laughs> and they cut that one out. Um, um, okay, so then after only a minimal amount of daytime scenes, we're back to nighttime again. That's, that seemed like a really short amount of daytime, didn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. got to be the shortest of all the episodes, surely. I think the... Do you think the show works better that way? I think so. Yeah, yeah it's more all, vampire action. Isn't it's all it, about the night? night, exactly. Okay, so Pam, she's uh, reminiscing about her past, and we see her in an Edwardian clobber. Yes. Um, a gentleman serial killer is gonna do her in when he is stopped mid-stab by Eric. Uh, and Pam doesn't look that surprised by Eric's super speed or the fact that he's just torn a guy to pieces, and she actually seems quite taken by her rescuer. Well, yeah, who little, wouldn't be? A little bit of glamour, maybe? Oh, he didn't, he didn't need the glamour. <laughs> <laughs> he did look quite suave, didn't he? He did, yeah. Pam yeah, and Eric are to cool. totally rocking the vintage look in this scene. I never, I've never liked men in, hot, in top hats. That, that was a great 
That was a great pose, kind of after he slashed the guy's throat, and then he was kind of just standing there licking the just blood off his throwing a shape. Just throwing a shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good hat, Eric. Good hat. Uh, we noticed that uh, we didn't see Eric turn Pam in this episode, uh, so presumably this flashback's going to continue next week. Hopefully, we yeah. Obviously, we're going to see Eric turn Pam. Uh, it, it would be nice if. Every episode had <laughs> some, some flashbacks. Yeah, I want to see Vintage Clothing every week. Because there's a lot of, lot of lifetime they've, they've lived, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. I want to see more. Okay, so, so back at the authority headquarters. Um, it's starting to look like an episode of 24. It is. The scary German dude, uh, who we find out his name, Dieter, Dieter Braun, uh, starts to interrogate Bill. Um, he shows them an ancient book adorned with the same symbol that all the authority wear. Uh, and HBO, the HBO website has new merchandise available with the authority symbol on, if you're, yes. if you're into that. Good hoodies and stuff. Uh, it's the same, uh, it's the Vampire Bible, uh, which Bill states predates the Old Testament. Yeah, and, the, and the, the oldest parts of the Old Testament were supposedly written in 1400 BC. So, what's that, three and a, three and a, half, thousand. Three and a half thousand years ago. So the Vampire Bible is older than that. And according to Bill, uh, this vampire Bible says that God was a vampire uh, who created Lilith in his own image, <clears throat> and Adam and Eve were created as sustenance for vampires. <laughs> uh, Lilith, uh, if you read the Wikipedia link that we put up last week, uh, is a demon in Jewish mythology. Uh, in, the in the legend, she was supposedly Adam's first wife, uh, who left him for an archangel. Bitch. Wow, it's like a soap opera. And the ancient Sumerians believed her to be a night demon who preyed upon men and was unable to bear children. So kind of like a vampire. Wow. And that was around 3000 BC that the Sumerians had that legend. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so this Lilith vampire could be like, if we see her in the show, she could be like 5,000 years old. Okay, so, so, well, old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so Dieter asks Bill um, if he is a vampire fundamentalist who believes, believes in a literal interpretation of the vampire bible. Which, of course, he denies, although he mentions that he's known vampires like this. I'd say Lorena would be really down for that shit. Uh, I think so. <laughs> She'd be really into and Russell as well, they'd be really into that. But although Bill is telling the truth, uh, Dieter administers some silver, just to be sure. That looked like some bad shit. Did you like the silver IV drip? That was, <laughs> that was some faces of agony. That, that looked painful. <laughs> I felt it. I felt uh, it for <laughs> Meanwhile, Eric's being quizzed along similar lines by Salome. Uh, is, she, is she hoping her cleavage will inspire a confession? Yes. And, and who's going to shag her first, uh, do you think? Uh, place your bets now. <laughs> Who do you reckon? Bill or Eric? Who shags her? Bill. You think Bill's going to shag her? Yes. I think Eric's going to shag her, and <laughs> then Bill's going to shag her, and then they'll have a threesome. Yes. Because it's true blood and that's how they roll. Lots of neck snapping. <laughs> uh, neither Eric nor Bill cracks, and uh, they both remain loyal to one another. Bromance. Bromance. <laughs> <laughs> is it a bit sudden? What, that they're, they're, they're buddies? Or is, is it like a better the devil you know thing? Better to stay true to each other than it's to... A, it's a bit that, and they've got a, a, something in common that, that Suki dumped them both. Yeah, Suki dumped them both, and Bill could have killed... Bill could have killed Eric last season, and he didn't. And that's kind of the... That's the catalyst for them teaming up, I think, isn't it? Yes. And uh, Oh, we have a listener's comment here from Phil. Uh, he says, I get that they don't trust Bill and Eric... Uh, they're insubordinate and generally self-interested, but to accuse them of being anti-integration? <laughs> Eric runs a nightclub specifically designed to attract humans, and Bill is so pro-integration, he drives other vampires nuts. In season one, episode nine, he killed a vampire to save a human. Uh, as, as a reminder, that was when Bill staked Longshadow to save Sookie and was punished by the Magister. 
Yeah, maybe the magister didn't file his paperwork, you know? So the authority didn't hear about it, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Phil goes on to say, maybe the implication is that the authority is so isolated in their paranoid torture, torture, dun torture dungeon uh, that they're completely out of touch with what's actually going on in the human and vampire worlds. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because yeah. Eric and Bill are the last vampires you'd think would be in the... San uh, the not the sand. I keep saying the Sandinista movement, not sand. Sanguinista. <laughs> they had, yeah. They had, the authority had Nan going out with a webcam, didn't they? Do you remember that in yep. season yep. in season three when they interviewed Eric? So if they knew that he was dealing V for Sophianne, or maybe that's why they don't trust him. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. But then again, Bill's Bill's been sort of spying for the authority, isn't he? Yeah. So and yeah, Bill was a spy for the authority. Since early 80s when he was a punk yeah so, <laughs> punk bill was recruited by the uh, authority are they not checking their notes what's yeah, going on what is happening uh, or is it the writers not checking their notes possibly, possibly. <laughs> but if we know the show that well then they should know the show they, as well as we do they should know it if they wrote better. it <laughs> anyway uh, Je Jessica's on her second night of partying and, uh, and I hope they put Bill's Xbox games back in their right yes, cases so do I um, she drops a keg of beer on one of, a, one of the girls, who doesn't seem to mind, um, probably because she's dead. Um, <laughs> and then she finds Steve Newlin is at the door. He, he gatecrashes the party with style, throwing <laughs> yeah. some shapes. <laughs> and, he's, and he's kind of revelling in being the centre of attention. You used to be a massive dick. I know. <laughs> oh, we've missed Steve. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, Jessica takes him into Bill's office, which is now totally gore-free. Yeah, he uh, offers her a measly ten grand for Jason's rock-solid arse. And uh, Jessica haggles and says twenty. Uh, then she reveals she's no intention of parting with her red-hot human lover. Um, Steve gets a massive fang boner and a real boner, and then fights with Jessica. Ah, uh, but she gets the upper hand easily because she's older. Uh, but then Steve reveals that her daddy is no longer the king. Mm, so, so tell me, how does, how does Steve know this? See, this goes back to what I said about Nan being his maker. If Nan... There's, there's no way that Steve Newlin would know that, is there? And, yeah, no, I think, I reckon Nan was his maker and she told him that, St that Bill was going to be executed. Hmm, yes. Mm. Or someone else, it's either Nan or someone else from the authority, otherwise there's no way he could have known that. Okay, so meanwhile, Arlene uh, visits Patrick and asks him what the hell is up with Terry. Uh, Patrick doesn't give us any uh, revelations because it's way too early in the season <laughs> for that. Uh, Terry arrives and he and Patrick speak in private. Um, it turns out Terry knows the whereabouts of Ella, uh, another soldier from their platoon, who Patrick suspects might be behind the fires. A lot of people think that Patrick's a ghost. Mm. Ghost Patrick? But he's, no, he's renting a hotel room. Why would a ghost need a hotel room? Yeah. And he's solid. We saw him eating. No, he's, nah. What um, about, what, have you seen the film Firestarter? Yeah, of course. I've not, I've not seen it, but is that like, a, that's a pyrokinesis thing, that's isn't a, it? a Drew Barrymore pyrokinesis thing. <laughs> of course you've seen yeah. it. Drew Barrymore's in it. Um, fire, could be a fire demon, but then, is there? Uh, in in, the, in the, the TV show Dark Shadows, um, there was a woman who was a phoenix. And, but oh, right, she, okay. Yeah, so she was, but she was in human form. But the phoenix in legend, every time it dies, it rises from its own ashes when it dies in fire. So would, could he be something along this line? So did he die in the fire in Iraq, and then he was like reborn because Terry thought that he was dead when he t when he yeah, showed up. It is. Yes. I'm going with phoenix. That's my theory. I like it. Okay, so Jason he visits Hoyt 
who is back li living with his mama. Uh, Jason begs for forgiveness, but Hoyt knows he'll never get a girl as hot as Jessica, so he's massively pissed off still. Um, he unleashes a torrent of F-bombs, uh, not as many as in that scene in The Wire. There's a scene the in The Wire where every word is the <laughs> F-word. It's amazing. Look it up on YouTube. <coughs> Um, Maxine, uh, she pretends to be mad at Jason, but really she's delighted that he got rid of that red-haired slut. And he's going to make Jason a pie to thank him. I bet she makes the good pie. Oh, I bet she does. I bet she does. Uh, so, back to Luna. She goes to Emma's room where she, when she hears a commotion and finds that Emma is a cute little baby wolf. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and I think everyone that watched that episode now wants a pet baby wolf. <laughs> yes. Did, did you think she was going to be a wolf? What was you thinking, Shifter? I was thinking Shifter. I was thinking Wolf, because I thought it would be too easy if she was a Shifter. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes. There'd be no conflicts there. Uh, so does this mean that Emma now has to start wearing black leather and <laughs> riding a motorbike? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> um, if it had happened any earlier, uh, would she have had to eat a dead dad? Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's some initiation for the kids. That's, that's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, Vampire Tara awakes, and it seems like her brain has grown back. Because she can talk again. Thank God for that. But unfortunately, uh, she's less than grateful to be a member of the undead. And she tells Suki and Lafayette that um, she will never forgive them. Uh, I bet she forgives them by the end of the season. Eh? I bet she starts loving being a vampire. Yeah. She's I got, bet yeah. she gets really into it. <laughs> okay, so she runs off into the night after getting sprayed by Suki's new anti-vamp security system. Where's she heading? She's going to chow down? Chow down on some... Some deer? Or... <laughs> <laughs> they can't eat animals, that's twilight rules. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> now it's time to be introduced to all the authority members. Whoa. Quite a crucial scene here. So Bill and Eric kneel in chains before the vampire leaders. And they are Roman, who is otherwise known as the Guardian. Uh, Dieter, the scary Nazi uh, torture dude. Salome, who we met earlier. Um, Alexander, the little kid. Uh, Rosalind, the red-haired lady. And Kibwe. Kibwe, the nice African man who uh, stuck up for Bill and Eric. Yes. So, presumably, there's usually eight members, but Nan's dead and Nora's been fired, so now they're down to six. Anyhow, how do you think they're chosen? Uh, money? <laughs> Influence? I don't know, because it can't be by age, because Eric's a thousand, and I think I read that Roman was like 500, and Godric was 2,000, and he wasn't on the authority. Neither was Russell. So obviously there's some other means uh, apart from age. Okay, so Roman pulls out a ceremonial wrist cutter and all the vampires drink his blood in communion as he recites an aromatic... Aramaic. That's the one. Uh, prayer to Lilith. Uh, he, he says that it's the blood of Lilith, but does he mean this symbolically, as in like the blood of Lilith is in all vampires, or, or is Lilith his maker? So he's been specific about it being his blood. Do you think? Yeah. Is it kind of in the in the same way that the, the Catholics say this is the blood of Christ kind of thing? And yeah. Or, or, it's just wine. Yeah. <laughs> what a con. Uh, so, and also, was you wondering in this scene, do Bill, do Bill and Eric speak Aramaic? Did they understand what was happening there? I, I would say Eric does, because he, he's been around longer, maybe. Oh, but he's a, he's a thousand. Aramaic, Aramaic's like 2,000 years old at least. But I, I reckon they both speak Aramaic just because they're smart guys. That's my theory. <laughs> at the end of the ceremony, uh, Roman, he bows down to the doors at the end of the room, uh, which have some sort of high-tech lock on them. 
What is behind these doors? What is behind these doors? Is it some ancient vampire thing? A woolly mammoth? <laughs> uh, do you think it's a, a, a person or a possession or...? It's got to be something significant. Something ancient. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, Roman speaks of his disappointment at finding Nora's deception and mentions that she was his ally for centuries. So, so, so why didn't he know about Godric or Eric then? I don't know. Obviously she kept played her cards close to her chest, hmm. I suppose. The question of who was her maker never came up. No. So... Is Nora going to meet the true death, do we think? Well, when they took her outside and... I don't think she'll meet the true death straight away. No. I reckon she'll die at some point. She was just trying to get Bill and Eric to, to talk more. Maybe, maybe. But then they don't know her connection to Eric, so I don't know. That's quite true. Um, okay, so Roman, he chastises Bill and Eric for using a rocket launcher against the witches and for human deaths at the Festival of Tolerance. But it was all Nan's fault. <laughs> it was all Nan. She forbade Bill to kill Marnie immediately and she insisted on going ahead with the festival even though Bill warned her to cancel it. So, if you're going to blame anyone, blame Nan. And also, Bill and Eric, um, they don't mention that Nan offered to let them join her instead of being killed. So... She did, yeah, she mentioned the kind of divisions in the authority. So she's part of, she's one of the factions then, is she? Or she do we, was? Do we think Nan was a sanguinista, maybe? Hmm. Perhaps? Yes. Uh, we see that Kibway is, uh, he's in favour of letting Bill and Eric live, but the other vampires on the authority want the true death for them. I'm not really sure about the, the kid authority member. I, mm. Yeah, I liked the idea when we heard about it, that there was going to be a child vampire, but I'm not sure. Let's give it a couple of episodes, if he survives that long. Uh, Roman, he also mentions that the vampires are outnumbered by humans um, a thousand to one. So so basically there's around six million uh, vampires in, in the world. Yeah, that's more than I was expecting, mm. actually. But yeah, if there was a big war and everyone, all the humans decided to kill the vampires, they'd still be fucked, basically. Yes. Uh, yes. But just as the death sentence is passed against Bill and Eric, Bill reveals an ace in his sleeve. Russell is on the loose. And he and Eric uh, will kill him in exchange for a temporary reprieve. Hmm. Salome says she's intrigued, although the other vampires are sceptical. So do you think... See, I kind of thought that meant she could have been the one who freed him, because she didn't look that surprised. She believed them when they said that, that Russell was free. See, yeah, it's not making sense. I'm sure all will be revealed. Uh, could you, but do you think that... So, what, she's about 2,000 years old, Russell's about two, nearly 3,000 years old, so I was kind of thinking, could she be his other progeny? Mm. So, that's, that's, yes. So could she be one of the sanguinistas as well? Maybe it was her that freed Russell? Yeah, I'm liking it. Yeah? Hmm. Uh, anyway, Eric doesn't fully explain why Russell hates him and Bill so much, uh, but just to remind you, it's because Eric, uh, Russell killed Eric's human family, uh, in Viking times, and then Eric killed Talbot in retaliation, and also Bill lied about his mission from Sophia to seduce Suki, uh, and that's why they've got beef. <laughs> uh, Roman is angry that Bill, as king, uh, allowed Eric to let Russell live. Yeah, but then, but but Bill wasn't king then. Was Bill wasn't king. These, these authority members know nothing. Oh, they know jack shit, don't they? <laughs> they want to they want to read the books or something. Yeah. Or uh, but yeah, Bill wasn't king, and uh, Eric was his sheriff, so Eric, Eric was yeah. his superior at that point. And Bill was a, a spy 
work for the authority, they should know this stuff. Anyway, Roman almost stakes Bill uh, in a quite hairy scene, and, uh, and Eric looks genuinely concerned for he Bill. He does, yes. He looks worried that his buddy's about to peg it. Um, Bill proclaims that, like the authority, um, he, he is pro-mainstreaming. And so he and Eric are allowed to live for the time being, um, but will be executed following Russell's capture. I bet they won't be. <laughs> they won't be. <laughs> they won't be. No, they will be the authority come yeah. the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, to, to wrap it all up, we see Russell surrounded by human remains and looking pretty fucked up. Yes. <laughs> he looks really messed up. How, how, long's, how long's it going to take for him to heal? Oh, how long's he been out? Like a few days and he still looks wrecked? He's it's going to take a while. He's been doing lots of munching to, yeah. to get his strength back. So he spent a year interred in concrete and silver and he's not fed and he's just been mulling over what's <laughs> happened so yeah he's going to be really annoyed so yeah so that that was, that was a good episode that wasn't it that was a good it? episode yeah. yeah I think a, a superior episode to the to the opening episode got, got a few points um, so so who do you think is the main villain is it is are we, are we thinking the authority or? are they like a collective villain hmm. is Roman the main villain as their spokesman but then is Russell the the main villain as he as he wants vengeance? Yeah, or does he? Maybe he's mm. uh, maybe in his time underground he's changed his mind about these things and he's kind of like a hippie now. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> also, I liked this episode because there was there was a minimal amount of the peripheral characters, weren't there? And yes. that's always been a big criticism of the show that they take up too much screen time. But it was all it was all kind of vampire focused, wasn't it? Most of it. Uh, also, it seems like there's been less sooky this season. Is, is that because she's pregnant? I don't know. Would she, would she have been pregnant at this point? I don't know. Or maybe... I don't know. It does seem like she's kind of taken a bit of a back seat. Do you, do you think this... So far, I mean, it's only been two episodes, but it seems more like sort of season one. It's it, kind of got that Yeah, feel, yeah. I agree. Yeah, more... Yeah, definitely more vampire-focused. And, and the show's kind of taken more of a satirical look at the religion and politics through the vampire world. Yes. We like, and there's more. There was loads of mythology in this episode, wasn't yeah. there? There's was more kind of there's as well as the vampire mythology, which we got a lot of in this episode. There was more werewolf mythology as well to explore. It's it's getting interesting. There's kind of questions. Yes, yeah, it's, it's turning into Lost. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's lots of stuff for us to debate. Anyway, that wraps up episode two, and uh, uh, I didn't prepare a jingle, so Paulio has oh. got he's got a. Do an ad hoc jingle for the music. Okay. Um. Im improvise. Music. <laughs> Didn't need the end bit. <laughs> Ruined it. Yeah, so our music. Uh, first we had uh, Big Bad Johns, who are a rockabilly punk band, and their song Shortcut Down a Long Road, uh, when Jason and Andy are talking about women. Uh, next up is uh, Grant Langston, um, American singer-songwriter with a song called Coming For You. Uh, this is uh, whilst Terry's freaking out in the lots. And then there was the Ting Tings, who are a British indie duo, uh, and their song Hang It Up were played at Jessica's Kegger party. the Ting Tings? Oh, that's cool. The Ting Tings. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a cool song. Um, uh, next up, uh, Bosco Del Rey, um, an experimental rock and roll singer, and it's called The Authority Song. And that was obviously during the credits. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it's a yeah. it's a cover version of a John Mellencamp uh, song. Awesome. 
And actually, yeah, that was weird because the, the episodes are normally named after the song. And that was just called, that song's called the Authority Song. It's not called Authority Always Wins. Yeah, they're, they're, they're changing it around. They're deviating. What's going on? Okay, uh, so that that was the music, and now it's time for what the fuck of the week. Russell with his mangled face. Good makeup from the makeup department. That was yes, that was uh, that's quite scary looking, wasn't it? That was quite scary. <laughs> I, I think that was worse than when he was all burnt up. Yeah. Um, yes, in season three. Three. Yes. <laughs> yes. That that was cool makeup, but uh, yeah, no, this was quite eerie. And also, do you think that that didn't necessarily have to be Dennis O'Hare even, did it? It, it didn't, but you could tell by his eyes. Yeah. I, I could yes. see his yes. eyes. Eyes of a Madman. Because I was thinking, is he filming um, American Horror Story? Was he filming American Horror Story oh. Season 2? Although he might not be in that, in Season 2. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the craziness of American Horror Story. And now it's time for our Line of the Week. And our Line of the Week is... And their flesh shall nourish yours, their blood shall flow within you, for as the beetle nourishes the lark, so shall human nourish vampire. Yeah, that was awesome, <laughs> wasn't it? That was a great speech. Normally we, go for, normally we go for a funny line of the week. We do, but that was quite an intense... But we liked the speech. We liked the awesomeness of, of, of Dieter's... German accent. <laughs> yeah. And did you notice that was the voiceover for one of the first season five trailers? Yes. At the time we were saying, who is this person with a German accent? Now we know. Now we know. Now it is on to the news. Okay, just one bit of news for us this week. And it's a big un. It's a good un. You're going to like this. Go on, go on, give it to me. Robert Patrick. What, Fucking what, Robert Patrick. What, Terminator 2, Exiles, that, that Robert Patrick. That Robert Patrick. What, Johnny Cash's dad? Johnny Cash's dad oh. from Walk of the Line is going to be playing Alcide's dad. Whoa! Yes, the fucking T2. like it. <laughs> Great we casting. Like it. So, True Blood's obviously attracting a high calibre of actors. That's so, great so, news. So, a little bit of Alcide's family and... Yeah, this is not a surprise if you've read the books because Alcide's oh, okay. dad plays quite a major role in this book. Is he a cool? Is he a cool character in the in the books? Without giving anything away, is it? Is uh, he rocking? He's yeah, briefly. Okay, <laughs> say no more. So, um, if you don't want to hear any spoilers about next week's episode, and uh, we've got quite a lot of spoilers, uh, so tune out now if you don't want to be spoiled. Next week's episode, episode three, is called Whatever I Am, You Made Me. And the synopsis for next week says, uh, Bill and Eric barter for their lives with the authority chancellors and their leader, Roman. Uh, Roman and S Salome and... Sorry. Ro Salome and Roman in, uh, enlist a new ally in the face of Russell's return. 
Uh, do you think that could be? Steve Noonan? Yeah. <laughs> Suki goes to Fantasia to ask for help from Pam, who is still caught up in her memories of Eric and the strange murders at the Comstock brothel. More flashbacks. Um, Andy's alliance with Holly comes back to bite him in the butt. Uh, later, he's visited by Gordon and Barbara Pelt, who are searching for Debbie. <gasps> Book Shock story. Horror. Book story. Oh, is it? Yeah. Jason bumps into an old high school teacher, but their reunion brings up conflicting feelings. Oh, some naked Jason next week. Is she a lady? Are we, we're assuming that the, the high school teacher is yes. a lady? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so, uh, some, some general spoilers. Uh, according to Michael Oziello, uh, three couples will have sex for the first time next week. Hmm. Any guesses? What, three couples that have not had sex before? So, oh, well, okay, Jason and high school lady teacher. Jason and high school lady teacher, yeah. Um, uh, Eric and Pam, obviously they've had sex before, but okay. if this is a flashback, it'll be the first time they've had sex. Yep, like it, like it. Um, um, uh, oh, it could be anyone. Uh, Tara, vampire Tara, and... She'll just rape someone randomly. Yes, there you go. That's three. We've, we've got it. <laughs> yeah, that's our guesses. Uh, or maybe Jessica and Steve Noonan. <laughs> also, and this is a biggie, Deborah Ann Wall says that one main character will die this season. Who do we think? Hoyt! It's going to be Hoyt. Hoyt! Season. Definitely Hoyt. Is that too obvious? Ooh, Vampire Tara gets staked, maybe? Mm. Perhaps. Russell? Russell could die, couldn't he? Properly. Russell could die properly. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, Deborah Ann Wall has got some other juicy spoilers. Um, she's, she says that Jessica and Tara's paths are going to cross. Yes. So that's good. They could bond together as new vampires. They, they could both wear little Red Riding Hood outfits and, together. Oh. <laughs> um, and this is this is one that got me really excited. Uh, Lorena, Bill, Eric, and Pam have a very long, sordid, and interesting history. This flashback also explains why Pam isn't the biggest Bill Compton fan. Mm. So we get to see how Eric and Pam met Bill and Lorena. It's kind of kind of like Angel, like Darla, you know, Spike and Drusilla in yes in, in Buffy, Buffy as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, liking it. Yes, and, we, and there's loads of casting calls for episode three. Um, a girl called Lindsay is fixing a flat tire in a narrow country road. When a vampire comes upon her. Tara! Yes, I'm guessing Tara. <laughs> okay, a young vampire called Molly uh, with a retro Betty Page suicide girl vibe. Cool. Um, outfits two prisoners with complicated deadly devices. Bill mm. and Eric fitted with some sort of time bomb device. Some kind of exploding neck brace thing like <laughs> Yeah. You know, various, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Miss Jill Steeler, an ex-teacher in her 40s, is recently divorced and back in town. This role contains topless nudity. Jason. Jason's teacher. <laughs> um, we've, we've got Debbie's parents, um, Barbara and Gordon Pelt, and they confront Alcide. And Yes, this is like the book storyline where uh, Debbie's parents come and they're looking for what happened to their daughter and uh, Sookie's going to get a load of shit from them, presumably. Yes. Uh, more of the Pam flashback. A pretty young prostitute named Dorothy has been glamoured and is being drained by two vampires when another vampire saves her. You're thinking Bill and, and Lorena? Or? So Bill and Lorena, because obviously and Bill was still a psychopath at this time. Yeah. Eric. And Eric's going to come in and save someone? 
maybe? Mm. That sounds feasible. Okay, the, the character of Claude has been recast. Uh, a mysterious young man who speaks with a British accent and catches Jessica's attention and curiosity. If, if you remember, Claude was originally played by Neil Hopkins, uh, who was Charlie's junkie ah, brother in Lost. Yeah. Charlie's brother in Lost, remember him? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, we only saw him in like orc makeup in that was what was that the start of season four? That was the start of last season. We saw him, but he was in loads of makeups. So obviously, it doesn't matter if they recast him because we didn't see his real face. You are the, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the new everybody. the new guy that's playing Claude, Giles Matthew, um, is much much younger. Than, oh. you know, he's like half the age of the oh. other guy playing who played Claude. Mm. So obviously, they wanted it a young hottie. Like on it. The cast. Mm. Um, um, I think that's it for. I believe that is it for spoilers. Yeah, we have a couple of links for you. Uh, if you want to check out the new merchandise, uh, there's some Lilith um, necklaces and stuff and some steakhouse t-shirts and authority hoodies and some cool shit. So we'll put a link to that and also to the, the Alseed workout. Get ripped like Alseed. Let's, let's all get those abs. Yes. It can be done. So uh, ta-ta for now. Yeah. And, um, uh, have, have a good week and enjoy episode three. And uh, go and see Prometheus. Go and see Prometheus. Yes. Good night. Good night.